wonder what we're eating for dinner tonight, actually. Hope it's Korean barbecue. Jason seemed to, I think he gets so much of that. Yeah, but. But he doesn't want that or fried chicken. Or Korean fried chicken. I was like, oh. It's he's, not like, about, he's like, but don't worry, you'll get some at the end of the week. It's it's not about him. It's about us. <laughs> the esteemed guests. Yeah. He said, he's like, don't worry, you'll get you'll get some before the week's over. You'll get what you, you'll get whatever I give you. And he's brought, went to some pretty good spots the last two nights. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Yeah, I think overall it's like the whole, like I said, the what I'm interested in is learning. I think there's something always interesting in that for a lot of sort of uh, established artists, they always have this sort of brand they've developed, right? I think success, would you say that success as an artist and brand kind of go in tandem with one another? Actually, I'm really bad at this. Before we kick things off, can you introduce yourself? My name's Cody Hudson. It only takes a few minutes or so to warm up to Cody Hudson. He's soft-spoken and mild-mannered. His work can be characterized by loose lines guided not by precision, but by feel and touch. There's a sharp consistency between Cody as an artist and as a human being. And at his core, there's a sense of honesty. His work is imperfectly perfect. Crude lines offer a sense of reality that we crave in a world littered with attempts at perfection. Over the course of Cody's career, he's let himself create in a natural and unrestricted way. He's about letting things happen, never spending too much time pondering the nitty gritty or every last detail. The work that leaves his hands is intimate with an undeniable warmth. We pick up with him as he's putting the finishing touches on some new work for Rise Hotel, a soul-based project that Macon also had the good fortune of being part of. The hotel is said to be a new and innovative concept within Korea's growing creative scene, one that brings together globally respected players and a deep respect for Hongdae, the art area within Seoul it calls home. So yeah, back to my question. Do you think that for most artists, like there's a a brand that sort of defines their success? And does that brand kind of pigeonhole you as a certain artist? I mean, do you mean in a sense of like, a brand you've worked with or in a sense of like you making yourself a brand? You making yourself a brand. Yeah. And that's an interesting one because I know, I, I know that's kind of a, a part of the process. But I feel in a way, I guess it depends how you look at it. I think sometimes when you someone says, I get turned off when someone says, oh, I'm, I'm making myself into this brand. It's my brand. Yeah. Because it kind of seems so thought out and so calculated. Yeah. In which I know is good and that's how some people work. And I think I've tended to work in a more casual, more slacker kind of way, but I yeah. felt like I'm just like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Yeah. And hopefully that gets me somewhere as opposed to stopping and being yeah. like, okay, well, if I talk to this person and then yeah. I do this, do, then I might be able to turn into something else. You, you know, know it, uh, that's interesting. Like when you kind of started your art career, did you have a pretty clear indication of the art you wanted to create? Not necessarily. Cause I've, I've gone in like a lot of different waves. Yeah. You know, I was doing a lot of graphic design work. I that I still am. And then I started, like the paintings I was making 10 years ago looked totally different than the stuff I'm making yeah. now. Whereas the stuff I'm making now looked more like the graphics I was making 10 to 15 years ago. Yeah. And I think I was making paintings differently because I thought in my head, oh, to be a painter, I have to do something that doesn't look graphic. Yeah. And then I think I finally had to be comfortable with both. I think since I have, the work's been, I've appreciated the work the most this last maybe six years as I have the last like 20 what do you think was the actual process? Like, was there sort of this this mental exercise in your mind to get there or just naturally let itself happen? Yeah, 
I think that's maybe one I probably could have thought out more because I think I spent years and years just experimenting and doing stuff and having a good time and doing shows and, you know, selling work. But then I guess at the time I really liked the work I was making. Now I look yeah. back at it and I like the work I'm making now better. So, but I guess it's like a process to get there. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. hard to say. Like, I don't know if then maybe I would have thought more about it instead of just just kind of experimenting in the studio, maybe I would have got to this point quicker. And like looking back at your earlier shows, as a younger artist, are there points in time where you maybe put a lot of weight into your success based on what gets sold from a show? No, I mean, it's definitely a nice thing when, you know, there's definitely like a sense of validation, I guess, if you yeah. can sell a show out. It's, yeah. You know, it's it's a good thing. But then also, you know, I think there's so many times where you do something, you're like, this is exactly how I want the work to be. And if it doesn't sell, that's not going to change how I think that that work is kind of where it needed to be. So it's kind of a little mixed bag because it's definitely nice when that happens. And obviously to make a living, you need to, you need, you need to sell some stuff. To, but that by no means defines you and your personality. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so because... You're like I need to do certain things just to to stay alive and pay my bills and take care of my family, but I try not to look at like, oh, well, this works better because it's sold. Whereas I think there's other work that maybe hasn't sold that it's to me feels much more comfortable, feels more honest, and feels more about like what I'm trying to do. Can you take me back to what it was like when you were growing up, and were there any parts of your childhood that you felt sort of contributed towards establishing yourself as an artist? I mean, I think I kind of have a similar background to to you know a lot of people out there I grew up skateboarding you know, listening to punk rock music and then kind of getting into hip hop, you know, making zines and making flyers and stickers and stuff. And and that kind of led me to then graphic design. So someone said, well, you're already doing this stuff. You know, there's actually like a, a real thing called graphic design that you could be doing. We kick things off with Cody's initial foray into the creative world. One that started with the almighty party flyer. This is what got him his start before opening the door to new opportunities. Probably 95, 96. When I first started, I guess going way, way back, I kind of learned how graphic design by doing like Ray Flyers, like early 90s. I was the first person I took out a big loan and to buy this crappy little computer and I was doing Ray Flyers at the time for friends who were throwing parties. And that's kind of how I learned about graphic design or yeah. try to more formalize it to the sense of, yeah. I had to learn how to prep a file to actually send to a printer where before I could just make Xerox a zine or something. Yeah. And that kind of started it. And I think from there I started meeting people, kind of moved away from the rave scene a little bit and then started helping some friends with a graffiti magazine called 12 Ounce Profit. Yeah. And I was like yeah. in like 90, 96 or so, helped them for a few years. And that kind of got me more into page layouts and kind of publishing style stuff. For those unfamiliar, 12 Ounce Profit was a highly respected publication and website that encompassed some of graffiti's most respected figures. It was arguably an early digital pioneer in the space, which saw them work together with the likes of Nike. I'm curious, do you think that looking back, people back then had a sort of barometer of what is good graphic design? Like, how would you equate someone back then versus now? Like, do you think the general taste level of graphic design has gone up for people? Oh, yeah. I mean, everything is very, I feel like everything's very designed. You know, back then, like graffiti magazines were kind of color Xeroxes and it was all just about showing the photos. Mm-hmm. And I think what drew me to 12 Ounce Profit was I was friends with uh, Alan Benedict, there, yeah. the, who was running it. And, 
you know, he wanted to bring a sense of graphic design, which is why he brought me in. He didn't bring me in because I was a graffiti expert or anything. He brought me in because I was close enough to the culture that I wouldn't get in the way of it, but that I could bring some graphic design to it. Mm-hmm. You know, because he was really into make, pushing that format to trying to make a, a stylized graffiti magazine that felt like it had more graphic design in it. Yeah. While the photos were still good, but it wasn't just pages and pages of photos. Yeah. And so that was what he kind of wanted to push. And so that's how I think we got along because then we could experiment, try different things and, you know, kind of work on some things I think that weren't really in graffiti magazines yeah. at the time. I wonder if 12 Ounce Profit was ahead of its time. What if it had launched now? I mean, it's definitely ahead of its time in the sense of that culture. Like, it, I don't think it was, it wasn't actually it was ahead of its time in graphic design. I think because there was a lot of interesting things in graphic mm-hmm. design. But yeah. I think what it was ahead of its time is was kind of merging the two. Yeah. I felt like things that seem really simple now, like using hand styles on stuff or, you know, something even is kind of has played out as you see it now, like dripping paint in the background or certain things that I think just get taken for granted that they're just kind of everywhere. And when you see them, you're like, oh, that again. Yeah. I think there was times where that like hadn't really been seen before. Yeah. And so in that sense, I think combining more traditional graphic design and we'd use spot colors and varnishes and overlays and and pushing it for that culture, I think really was something people hadn't seen. Much like Cody, I grew up in a small town in Canada. I always have an interest to see how people think about the effects of living in a place that lacks culture, in a certain artistic sense. It's a likely reason why skating was such a big part of Cody's youth. Not sure on that one. It's weird. It's the only way I know, so I don't know. I mean, if anything, well, one thing is I feel like if I would have been exposed to more culture earlier on, maybe things would have happened earlier for me or... You know, I think now it's interesting since I have two kids, you know, going to museums with them all the time, having like a house filled with art and art books is going to be so different from how I grew up. And so it's kind of interesting to see like, will that have an effect on that? Yeah. So then they'll probably, now they'll probably say, yeah, so we're just going to be bankers and lawyers because you made us look at art stuff all our life. But yeah, it's like, so I, but I only know how I grew up, which wasn't with that. So I started, I started experiencing all that at a much later time. Yeah. So it's kind of really hard to say. They were, it was interesting growing up there, and I'm not talking bad about Kenosha, but I definitely feel like there was a void in the culture, and and I had to get out to you know we're halfway between Milwaukee and Chicago, so it makes it a good location. So you could we would go back and forth between the two to skating or to go to shows or go to parties. So we quickly when you you know get old enough to travel as a, old enough to kind of drive with your friends to either one you quickly start to see there's a much bigger world out there. So yeah. I guess I'm not saying, I don't think there's a benefit to being there, but it's the only thing I know and it's yeah. kind of how I had to work through it. Growing up skating became a big part of Cody's identity and it would filter into the way he approached his work. I've definitely been associated with skateboarding in the past, even though I don't really skate as much as I'd like to. I think if anything, what I learned from that period was just the the creativity and kind of the expression. And you know, that was the first time I was like, drawing on my grip tape or cutting shapes. I actually found a painting recently, or I made a painting recently and couldn't figure out what I was thinking. And then I found like, you know, a photo of a skateboard I had, you know, 25 years ago. And actually the grip tape was pretty similar. So basically that you had like a thought resurfaced 25 years later. Yeah, yeah. without even realizing. I didn't really make the connection until. That's crazy. Oh, this actually is. Because people always ask me a question about skateboarding and I'm always like, oh, I don't. It was just what I did. I don't think it really connected as much. And then kind of going back and trying to analyze them more, I was like, well, 
Actually, maybe it did. Like that was the first time I cut shapes out. Even the shapes I'm working on here were kind of similar to like cut out grip tape I would work on or, you know, I paint on my board or started making sculptures with old skateboards and yeah. making zines, taking photos, all those things that I think aren't necessarily one-to-one, but were like the first times I attempted that, like to be creative in that way. I mean, the way I kind of look at it, I think the passion, like when I was skating every day, which is was a really long time ago, kind of graphic design and art in a certain sense has become that same thing. So like I'll always come from that uh, and I'll always still enjoy it. But I feel like what the same thing where, you know, before I was at the, going to the Sears parking lot every single day for six to eight hours and just meeting everyone and you're just there every single day, all day. I feel like that kind of has turned into art for me. Like I'm putting that same, so it's, so it's rooted in the same thing, but the passion is different. So I don't necessarily look like, oh, I wish I was doing this one more or this one more, but you know, I'm basically putting that same work in just into something else, but it, it's a very similar thing. So like you're dedicating everything to it. You're doing it all day. And whether it's good for your body or mind or not, and it kind of just becomes part of what you're doing. So it's kind of just changing that passion over to a different thing. But as far as the people, I think it's, it's, it's pretty amazing just to see. I think sometimes you forget. I mean, I was watching the, the epically layered with Spike Jones the other day and like, almost like, almost like teared up at the end. I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. And I was like, that's how I know who this person is. And, and that's amazing. And then you kind of start doing the following this little like map and you're like, Oh wait, yeah, this person and this person, you think of all these people who are connected to it and you see what they're doing. And it's definitely, it's definitely pretty amazing when you, when you kind of look at that. Eventually, Cody would make the move out of the Midwest and start a professional career starting with a stop in Vermont to work at JDK, a studio under Jake Burton, the founder of Burton Snowboards. I moved to Vermont for a while and worked at a place called JDK. And there we designed a lot of stuff for Burton Snowboards. And so I kind of learned about that part of the world. And then I kind of would kind of hop back and forth. I ended up in New Jersey for a while, actually working at uh, at the old, uh, at the company uh, Echo Unlimited. Mm-hmm. You know, which was a pretty eye-opening experience just to see, figure out how clothes are made. You know, started to get to travel quite a bit and kind of more learn about just like graphic design based that was related more to clothing design. Mm-hmm. And like learned how zippers are made and learned how snaps are made and trims and just kind of learned about materials. Yeah. And then I think it was each, each, each little job I would try to pick up, I think helped me learn a different thing that I didn't really know about. Like I didn't really know about magazines till I worked on one. I didn't really know about clothing till I worked on one, worked yeah. on some. And then I think it was like after that, then I think I started to kind of form my own vision of where I wanted to go and then start yeah. doing my own thing. But it took like a few like years of just kind of working with other people, which was great. Cause I also not only met a ton of people that I'm still friends with, but saw a bunch of stuff that would be hard to see on your own. It's this part of the conversation that in many ways defines Cody. He approaches things in a practical way, always with an open mind to learning, and this would ultimately shape and define the direction of his career. You know, go here, learn all this stuff and do all this without really the opportunity to do it. So were you always open-minded to new experiences? Like you didn't really need to be convinced to take on something new? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's the reason I went to Echo was to learn something, it wasn't that that I was super into the brand yeah. or anything. It yeah. was more like, here's a really interesting opportunity to learn how clothes are made and to kind of travel a bit. And then, you know, and to get out of the Midwest, you know, I lived in Jersey for a while and 
ended up meeting like a ton of people there that are still really good friends with. Yeah. And then they, they kind of all went on to other companies and other things and we've done stuff together. So it's kind of all those little experiences where you just kind of keep learning and branching out. Yeah. And at no point in time were you ever thinking, I'm not qualified for the job. You know what I mean? Like, how did you look past that? And like, hey, you know, I don't have a background in clothing, but I can find a way to make myself valuable to this job. I guess I never really thought of it that way because I would just look at it and say, oh, this this seems pretty good. I think this shirt worked or this one was successful. And the stuff we were doing, it wasn't necessarily something I wanted to wear, but it was stuff that out in the market would, would seem like it was doing good and people were into it. Yeah. You know, like a, a velour a velour Spider-Man tracksuit isn't necessarily something I'd want to wear to work, but when you made yeah. one and you saw people get really excited about it, you're like, oh, that was cool. And then eventually your path took you into kind of like tangentially to the restaurant business, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I bounced around quite a bit more, like worked on graphic design a bit. I did like 10 years of graph, like freelance graphic design for Stussy, did like, you know, tons of t-shirts, did, you know, a bunch of stuff for kind of Nike in between and, a lot of other brands. And then kind of from there, and the restaurant thing was a little more recent, like eight years ago, we opened our first restaurant. Mm -hmm. And then at the time, cause I was doing some logos for restaurants and doing some of their identity work. A friend of mine was building out the bars. Another friend of mine was booking bands and stuff at venues. And kind of just said, well, we're kind of doing all this stuff already. Why don't we just open our own place? After accumulating some new experiences under his belt doing restaurant identity and branding, him and a friend decided to open a new restaurant, one that became far more successful than the local watering hole he was intending it to be. We hadn't, we didn't really think about it that deeply. It was really like, we all lived in the same neighborhood. There wasn't a lot of really good bars and restaurants in that neighborhood. And we said, we know how to do all these things. We don't necessarily, we're not necessarily experts in the food world. But I was like, if we can make a place where I would come every night and want to hang out, have a drink, eat food, then I assume there's other people who are going to kind of feel the same yeah. way. And, you know, we found a chef, things worked out. Like our first restaurant, Long Moon Eagle, we ended up getting like a Michelin star the second year we yeah. were open. And then I think it kind of was more like, oh, wait, this is this is kind of a real thing. Yeah. You know, I always thought it'd be more, I mean, it still is technically a side project. I guess all my jobs are kind of side projects. Yeah. So I have like 10 of them, I feel like. <laughs> but we thought like, oh, this is just a one-off. We can do this one restaurant. We got our clubhouse. This is where we're going to hang out. And then I think we'd open that and my partner's like, no, this is kind of a real thing. Like, yeah. you know, we should. And they kind of both quit their other jobs and then said, well, let's focus on this like full time. Yeah. And I said, well, I, I want to do that, but I'm not... I'm not trying to give up painting. I'm not trying to give up my other design stuff. So I'm just going to kind of put it in as like the restaurant work becomes like one of my clients in a sense. So I try to look at it. You get a sense of Cody's free-spirited nature by the different jobs and tasks he's taken on. Jobs are seen as experiences and experiments and the results are learnings that don't need to be calculated. You just let things happen versus trying to plot out every move, not putting in a ton of effort into developing like a fully baked concept, like just going with the flow. How important is that towards your work? I mean, I think my thought process works better. I mean, I definitely think stuff through, but I don't want to like overthink it. I think sometimes, and this is really just different way, different creative people do different things in different ways. Some people totally think stuff out and, and bring the theory in and figure everything out where... 
you know, I don't know, maybe it's just like my aesthetic, but I want to kind of just get in there and start doing something and see if it looks good. And if it looks good, keep working on it, crafting it until it makes more sense. So everything's still thought out. It's just thought out in a different way. Yeah. So, you know, still researching stuff, studying it and thinking it through. But at least in my head, I'd do it in a different way instead of getting maybe too deep before even starting it. Yeah. Do you have a strong sort of connection with all the work you create? Like if I pulled something from 12 years ago, would you recognize it and be able to like kind of put yourself in your shoes back then? Or has it kind of been a blur up until now? No, most of it. I mean, like a lot of record covers I've done, I really like, you know. What's been your favorite? I don't know if there's actually a favorite. But it kind of has gone in waves. I think that was like the different periods I did. I forgot I forgot to mention I did, like when Chocolate Industries was around in like the early 2000s, I ended up kind of doing all their record covers for probably about five years as well. Because I met them in Miami, uh, seven, he lived in Miami, and then he moved to Chicago. And then I kind of just ended up doing all their graphic design for, or most of it for like quite a few years. Yeah. So I think just all the stuff I did for them, I really enjoyed. It was like pretty creative. He was really open to... This is similar to, I think, the 12 Ons thing too. He was making kind of experimental hip hop, but was open to the covers being even more experimental and not feeling like this has to be a hip hop cover. And it, it maybe became a little more graphic designy or a little more playful, or a little more illustrative. And it was cool because he was really into that. He didn't want it to feel like necessarily what was out there. A good example of Cody's philosophy can be seen through the work he's done for Rise. His work lacks any sort of overarching interpretation. The person viewing the art doesn't need to have this massive void filled. Instead, there's a certain openness to interpretation he's looking to promote. This kicks off some interesting thoughts on how we perceive art. I met Jason, I actually met him in Hong Kong a few years ago. And then just briefly, but then we reconnected when he started working on this project and said he kind of had, had this lobby area, this big cement wall, and just kind of asked if I had any ideas for possibly an installation on the wall. Yeah. And kind of shot back and forth a couple of different ideas, talked about maybe doing something in concrete and kind of landed on these wooden shapes. Yeah. And then I wasn't sure if it was going to happen. And then, you know, I think we kind of talked about, talked about it on and off for maybe like a year. And then all of a sudden he kind of hit me back up and said, yeah, this thing's real. So if you want to do it, that's yeah. it. What was your thought process at the time to sort of envision your stuff on the wall? Like how would you, how would you traditionally approach that? I mean, a lot of times I start, I just, the idea was kind of simple. I do a lot of this work that it's all these different cut paper shapes they start out as. And for me, I try not to explain it in too detail about what they are. Cause yeah. part of it really is for me is about the viewer seeing it and they kind of can bring their own thoughts yeah. to it. So someone can see this and they're having a bad day and maybe it lightens it up or maybe they're having a good day and, and they relate to the circle or it kind of ties back in. Yeah. So in, in my head, there's there, it's kind of these different thoughts that are happening and they're all kind of having this conversation together. So it's yeah. less about the shapes are uh, meaning just this or that, but more of just this kind of idea and this flow of flow of things happening and you kind of are just an active part of it as much yeah. as the wall is. It's interesting because I, I read that classic... Um, essay, I forget her name, about just the interpretation of art and whether we should be so strict about interpreting what it means. And it's like, for me personally, I, it's probably on the flip side of what you've just defined and mentioned. Like, I like things that have like a really strong purpose or meaning, but then 
sometimes when you do that, it just automatically pushes it to a certain direction versus allowing a certain openness towards people's own definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, I think if my work was maybe more figurative, it would have more defined meaning, but since it is so abstract, I think part of what makes it work for me is not trying to define it so much yeah. and really letting it kind of be free form and letting other people bring their own thoughts to it. You know, obviously when I see like a figurative painting I, and I can tell what it's about, there's a there's a weird thing there where, not weird, but I guess how you describe it. If the painting is about something you're, you're maybe not into or not comfortable with, you can no longer really like that painting. Yeah. And so if you're like, oh, this is exactly what it's about, and you read that and you're like, oh, hmm. All right, well then maybe I don't like that painting. Yeah. Or I like things more open-ended where you know you can kind of bring your own sense to it because I think it's such a visual thing and it's like really for me more about like these honest feelings you're having. So you... You're there, and you can you can bring them in yourself. I mean, you can still you still have that obviously with with all types of work. Yeah. But I, I kind of like to experience the paintings when I go to a museum, or whatever. Experience it first before I read about it too much. Instead of reading first and then being like, okay, so I'm supposed to look for this. It's so right? interesting because I'm like the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is like it's good to hear your perspective because I think you've done a really good job of breaking it down and just like because I've I've always been trying to understand from a, a more innocent perspective of how you. Sh- should look at art although I would also argue there is no real right or wrong way but it's just good to know like how different people do it and especially from an artist and a creator's perspective Mm -hmm. of how the open-endedness as you mentioned I think that's something that's really powerful that maybe I guess I've kind of done it in 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 spurts like oh I'll go watch a movie that I have no idea what it's about because it is for that exact reason like you don't want any any connotation or you don't want any sort of underlying feeling of what it's what you're supposed to feel or what it's supposed to be about you know you just let it be a natural sort of occurrence yeah i told that that totally makes sense yeah it's definitely just two different two different ways to look at it and i think i approach things on from usually from a very non-academic perspective at first and then kind of think it through and then kind of go back around and try to figure out what what else I can kind of add to it. It's just kind of like a different perspective of how you go into it. Yeah. Because I do still, after I see like a painting show or a museum show, I'll still go circle back around and then read the blurb Yeah. and then try to see how that affected. But I still kind of like to see it first yeah. before knowing these are, these are like the things I need to look for and this is exactly what it means. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I still want to know afterwards for, for certain works, but then there's definitely other works where like I'm just so taken in visually that, it's nice to know, but I almost, you know, if I look at like an Ellsworth Kelly, it's in, like, I love looking at him. Beautiful. I don't even know if I really necessarily want to know exactly what he was thinking or why he made it or yeah. what it's supposed to mean. Yeah. Or I'm just, I want to just take it in and kind of like feel it really. Yeah. Yeah. What was the last thing that you came across that really moved you or that you, you know, you felt some type of way about it? The last show I saw that was like that I was in Copenhagen about six months ago. And saw the Tall R Academy show at the uh, Louisiana Museum. And I was a big fan of his work to begin with, but hadn't seen that much of it in one space. Mm-hmm. I was kind of just so blown away by not only the amount of work, but just the intricacy of so much and then the simplicity of others and how each room totally changed your focus from sculptures to paintings to other installation work. Yeah, I kind of just left, you know, pretty much in, in awe, just like... 
I can't believe I actually just saw that. That was that was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I just take a minute and just I just went outside, sat outside for a while and just kind of had to like sit down. <laughs> like, wow, that was pretty intense. Cody's eclectic work across different brands and mediums has perhaps made it difficult to pin him down to any particular thing. This can be problematic in a world that's constantly looking for the convenience of identification and grouping. How do you see your work in the kind of grand scheme of things within the art world, seeing that you have had the ability to been able to reach a lot of people through work for big brands versus, you know, maybe maybe on a smaller scale for like the gallery? Like how do you how do you kind of process all those different thoughts in terms of your ability to reach people? It's interesting because I, I, I really love the art world, but then at the same time, I kind of feel like I'm a part of it, but I'm not like fully a part of it. I feel like because I do all these other things, I'm not fully embraced in like academic circles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there definitely is this thing where someone's like, oh no, he's a graphic designer. And then there's other people like, oh no, he's an artist. He's not really a designer. And it's weird because everyone wants to kind of put, make you into one thing or the other. Like, do you feel as though there's a sense of credibility that's kind of removed depending on which medium you're being discussed in. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of like, you're never, you're kind of neither here or there. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm kind of leaning at. Yeah. Cause I'm not just doing one thing. And I think then the restaurants even clouds it a little more. So it's like, well, I'm a designer, a painter, and then run some restaurants. So I think other people want to sometimes be more comfortable with it. Just being, Oh, that, that person's a painter or they're a sculptor. And, yeah. And for me, they're all equally just as exciting and, and it's important. But by doing all the different things, it's different though. I feel like graphic designers are more excited to see the paintings than maybe someone, I feel like sometimes in the in the quote unquote like real art world, they aren't because you're not coming from this academic background and you're not following like the same rules and doing what you're supposed to do in that world. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think sometimes that world's like, well, why are you designing a shoe? Aren't you supposed to only be making paintings? Yeah. And I would yeah. say, well, why wouldn't you want to do as much stuff as you can that you enjoy? Like yeah. it shouldn't be like the whole idea of having a non-traditional kind of job, if you want to say, is a, what I always thought was to kind of be able to do whatever you want. Like, why would I want to say, well, I can only do this or I can only do that. Yeah. And I might as well just have a job. Like yeah. if I'm just kind of working for myself for the last, you know, 20 years or so, that goal was to, kind of to be able to do whatever you wanted to do. The traditional structures of art may seemingly position creatives according to whatever fits their agenda. The flip side is that consumers are looking at things differently and they're not always looking to categorize artists. What they're looking for is sometimes just a sense of openness and interpretation and just a certain feeling. Their supportive artists can span multiple mediums, allowing Cody the graphic designer and Cody the artist to peacefully coexist. Do you think that there's going to be an erosion of those lines? Do you think that the modern sort of person that's consuming art is actually more embracing of, hey, Cody does gallery work. He also does stuff for a big brand. Because I think that's the one thing that's been interesting to see is like, people are more than happy to see their favorite artists or their favorite people work with big brands, which maybe was counter to 
especially you growing up in from the skate world, you know, big brands were always the enemy. Now it's like, it's almost like, hey, I'm happy you're getting yours. Yeah, no, it's definitely changing. The kind of like, so the quote unquote real art world, that's also changing too, because so many people are coming in who aren't from that background, who aren't, you know, strictly from an academic world. So I think that's, that'll always still be that pinnacle of academic kind of museum world. And then I think, but there's so many things happening now that it's, it's definitely changing. And there's so many people who are open and don't care. So it's not like there's all these people who are, who aren't into it. It's, it's just, that's still like a little part of it, but the rest of the world, I think is definitely, like I said, more open and people are excited to see other things. And, you know, they're excited when they see their artists, people, artists or designers, they like doing all kinds of things. It's yeah. not about, oh, I only want to see that painting, you know. Yeah. That's definitely like changing, I feel. As you look back on sort of your time spent as an artist and graphic designer, before you had sort of embarked on this career, what did you think it would be like? And what has been the reality of creating things visually for the entirety of your career? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what I thought it would be like. I mean, I definitely didn't think it would be like this. I feel, I feel like... I've had like a pretty incredible, like lucky life. I mean, a lot of it's based on me really working hard and doing a lot of stuff. But if when I was bagging groceries at Piggly Wiggly when I was, you know, 19 years old, if someone said, oh, someone's going to fly you to Seoul to do an installation, I would say, no, that's not going to happen. I live in Kenosha, Wisconsin and bag groceries, you know. Yeah. And I think you don't, until you start getting out there and doing things, you don't really know what's going to happen. So, you know, it wasn't this big plan, but as things evolved and, I tried to see what was out there and would try to kind of chase these things and do as much stuff as, as possible because I didn't think any of this stuff would ever actually happen for me. If you'd like to hear more stories like this one and more from the world of creative culture and beyond, check them out at makein.com. That's M-A-E-K-A-N.com. Or search for us on your favorite podcast app. 